least favorite thing I do getting on the elevator. I ask somebody what floor and then realize that we work together. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. I've done oh, that's it. Right. Oh, we we're, work with too many people. That's right. We're co-workers. Yeah, <laughs> For sure. For like 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't look at people's faces. <laughs> oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do they give you that hurt look? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we work together. Oh, yeah. Sure, of course we do. I was kidding. I that whole what floor. With, I don't care. <laughs> Just so they know where they stand. We work together. I don't care. (laughs) I kid. That's sarcasm. (sighs) Hey, this is completely sincere. You ought to listen to the podcast we recorded with Opal Singleton, who's an activist and law enforcement person, uh, deals with the the luring of children into uh, sexual slavery and or exploitation on the line. There's uh, online. There's a great deal of blackmailing kids into showing more and more and doing more and more. If you can get the hook in at the beginning and get them to do something they shouldn't do, then you use their shame and their fear of punishment to go further and further. It's absolutely insidious. I actually went home after we recorded that and talked to my wife about it because there's stuff I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So we've gotten a lot of emails from people saying I had no idea. Right, right. And uh, uh, speaking of which, you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or if you want to text, you can do that anytime. Why don't you punch it into your phone right now? Someday you're going to want it. 415-295-KFTC. And the podcast is free. Why? Because we're stupid. There you go. So you can get it anywhere. (laughs) Podcasts are given away by stupid people. (laughs) So we got this note from uh, an anonymous person, longtime listener and foster parent. We've had training on trafficking, and the biggest surprise for me was it was not some creepy guy that usually gets the girls or boys. It's young girls. They befriend the girl or boy. They have cool stuff, new phone, nice clothes, newest games. My daddy bought it for me. They have cash to buy food. They seem cool. It's very appealing to kids who have had no dad, for instance, which is most foster kids, and have not had the finer things. The lady that taught our class managed to uh, um, to get out of that world. She started by going with a girlfriend because it seemed safe. It starts slowly. Just do this one little thing, and I'll buy you that jacket you've always wanted. And it builds. Once they have you in debt, then they use you. Our trainer actually solicited other girls into the trade. And, yes, drugs are a huge part. Uh, she mentions the most horrifying thing was the life expectancy of a child, a boy or girl, and trafficking is seven years. Oof. They're usually dead in seven years. This doesn't bother the dealers as they're used up by that time, and there are new kids coming down the line. So That's sad. about the worst thing you're going to hear all day. Right. You mentioned how foster kids don't have the loving support. I noticed with ours, who is fantastic, by the way, it's not just your support. It's that she was never taught right from wrong. Then she gives an example um, and w- luckily we found out about it and were able to explain it. When your parent figures have no morals, you grow up not knowing morals. Um, if I can do nothing else, I would encourage people to look into the foster system, become a foster parent. It's not easy, but these kids need us. Um, half of foster kids end up dead or in jail or turning tricks. Uh, the percentage of girls, I'm departing from the text here, who end up as... Uh, Either underaged rape slaves or prostitutes is astonishing. Help if you can, and and we have. Thank you for the note, uh, Ms. Anonymous. Um, and we we have through the years, and and I'm thinking in in the next year or two to come, it might even become a, a bigger priority around here on the show and fundraising that sort of thing because the situation with foster foster kids is absolutely heartbreaking. And 
what I love about the cause is if you are a communist or a, a, a progressive or a moderate or conservative or like way out on the right wing, everybody agrees, oh, my God, these kids never had a chance and, and I'm happy to p- pitch in to help them. I mean, I've never run into anybody who says, oh, no, those stupid 70-year-olds without parents, they're on their own. I mean, no human being thinks that. Right. So you'd think you'd be better known. Um, are you into the profanity la- profanity laced blowout between the Johns? I'm calling it the Battle of the Johns between John Kelly and John Bolton, the National Security Advisor and the Chief of Staff. Apparently got into a screaming match. Now, it's being reported by CNN and the Washington Post, which regularly make crap up. Well, they print stuff somebody made up. Right. Right. They print something that somebody said. And and go with it as clearly it's true because somebody told me this. Yeah, New York Post also reporting it um, that they got into a screaming match, and it was even more intense than usual. Sources told CNN the blow up, profanity laced, per Bloomberg News, was related to the ongoing disagreement over to how to handle the uh, the the crossings of the Mexico border. I could Bolton, see that Bolden took took a verbal swipe at the <laughs> Homeland Security Secretary, who was. Kelly, remember John Kelly was the Homeland Security. Oh, that's right, Secretary. Right. He took the chief of staff Briefly. job. So this yeah. was his hand-picked successor. He's friends of hers. Kirsten Kirst- Nielsen. So apparently Bolton's mustache, Bolton and his mustache. Right. I think they're in on it together. Tag teaming her. Um, uh, said something about her being weak on this issue, and Kelly took offense. The next thing you know, they're dropping f bombs at each other, and it's a high-pressure work environment. I could see it. I don't know that I believe it, but eh. I, I'm not even that impressed by it. I'm I'm not either. A couple a couple of guys getting into it briefly with with uh, some cussing. Uh, Valerie Jarrett was famously uh, adamant. I think I recall her being described as obscene frequently as well and harsh. No, yeah, whatever. Eh. I don't know. I don't even know why I mentioned it. I, I I think it's interesting. It's a hell of a scene to picture. I mean, it's exciting as hell. I just don't know that it means much. Who knows? Is this Who your knows? opinion or your mustaches? <laughs> That's what I, I'd say. That's I a do. good one. <laughs> <laughs> you took him down a peg or two. <laughs> I don't know. So in King Henry VIII's Pleasure Palace, Hampton Court, there was no escaping class divisions. Oh, which reminds me. The, the one of the lady uh, scientist who was part of putting out those fake news those fake uh, research papers had a conversation with a socialist newspaper that I found very interesting. She is way left, way left, but thought the grievance sciences pushed in uh, universities are out of their minds. It's it's fake. It's not real science. It's it's entirely emotional, and she's like a socialist. So I, I salute her uh, willingness to take on, quote-unquote, her own side when well, she you're a serious, sees it as dishonest. If you're a serious researcher, whether you're a communist or whatever you are, um, you don't like fake research. Right. Right. Even if it's perpetrated by people you tend to agree with. But back to the much important, much more important topic of King Henry VIII's uh, groom of the stool who even Sleeve Boy looks down upon. The king, of course, had a luxurious place to squat. 
This is from the fabulous folks at Mental Floss. One of my favorite publications, now websites, ever. Um, According to the Hampton Court Palace website, he and other royals sat atop a padded chair covered in sheepskin, black velvet, and ribbons. Lofted above a pewter chamber pot. Black velvet would be a little hard to clean, especially with the cleaning uh, equipment of back in the day. Black velvet would feel mighty nice on your hiney, though. There's no denying that. Oh, wow, that's gross. Well, it was the seat. It wasn't the interior of the well, toilet. It's still gross. What? <laughs> uh, the toilet was uh, private, located in the so-called stool room that has a <clears throat> that was attended by a high-ranking courtier known as the groom of the stool. Give me a year on Henry VIII. What is he? He's, He's uh, uh, middle 1500s. Okay. I happen to have that in front of me. That's what I was going to guess. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you're going, you're, you're very, very, uh, no, no, no modern conveniences of any kind. Right. Yeah. In spite of the Roman Empire and the Egyptian Empire having very advanced plumbing and that sort of thing, it was lost to us uh, because sometimes humankind goes backwards. Anyway. Um, the 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 uh, groom of the stool was considered a well-respected gig. It was high up in the hierarchy. Apparently, the groom would even take notes on the sovereign's movements. In 1539, Henry VIII's groom showed a flair for euphemism by writing that the king had taken laxatives and experienced, quote, a very fair siege. <laughs> this is... More than I need to hear. That's all sent along by Mark, the artichoke farmer. Well, he's in, d- digging the dirt, farming artichokes. He doesn't have time for your suburban squeamishness, radio boy. He's, he's, he understands the realities of life. Maybe I was home with an illness where I felt like I was going to vomit, which continues into today. That, uh, that story seems a little unpleasant. Mm, sorry to hear that. I don't have a velvet either. It really sick to my stomach. And actually, I threw up yesterday. Might have to look into the old velvet seat. The truth is that Hampton Court was not well equipped to serve the bodily needs of the hundreds of servants either. During the king's boisterous banquets, busy servants regularly heeded nature's call by relieving themselves in hidden hallway corridors yeah. and on sizzling fireplaces. I remember checking out the the castle where they all used to live back there and thinking, man, this would just have been very... This is like camping with, with giant stones for your tent, is what it is. I mean, it's... It'd have been cold and gross. Yeah. 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 And frequently under siege. Majority of Americans are happy with their neighbors. What's the worst trait a neighbor can have? We all can look at the information to decide whether we agree or not. I'm guessing psychopathic murderer. (laughs) Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It certainly looks that way to me. It's very sad. That's the president declaring that he believes old Mr. Khashoggi is a dead man. 
And I have a feeling he knows that because the Saudis told Mike Pompeo and Mike told Donald. Well, and what are the other options, even without super secret special information that we don't get? What are the other options? He's hiding. He's hiding. So Trump did an interview with the New York Times, said his judgment is that Khashoggi is dead. He said he has intelligence reports coming from every side saying that. If Saudi Arabia is responsible, he told the New York Times, the consequences will be very severe. If what has been alleged occurred, if an innocent person lost their life at the high hands of violence, that has to be condemned, Mike Pence said. If a journalist in particular lost their life at the hands of violence, that's an affront to the free and independent press around the world, and there will be consequences. Journalists lose their life at the hands of dictators all the freaking time all over the world. Yeah, 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 I can it name a cool. bunch of countries. Sure. It's bad, but we don't... Uh, stop doing business with them or attack them or 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 even mention it really right maybe we should i'm out <laughs> right between gotcha. indonesia and myanmar and uh what was the other one sri lanka how about I mean, china you, you, well yeah well, yeah never mind china you could like field an nfl team with the jailed journalists in a couple of those countries uh-huh like this full 62-man roster. Or is it 63? I don't care. That's the part um, I don't get. Right. That's the disconnect for me. So we're going to completely alter American foreign policy. Because what? Because he lived in America and he wrote for the WAPO? I mean, it's repugnant. Don't get me wrong. It's repugnant. Egypt. But it's not rare. Egypt had and probably still does. Well, yeah, they absolutely still do, do that under a, a CC. Egypt's been doing that forever. They're another one of our allies. Yeah. I mean, I guarantee you, if you're up in arms about the Khashoggi thing, I guarantee you Egypt has snuffed a journalist who you would like in the last, I don't know, we'll say 12 months. Now what do we do? I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm mystified as we were discussing a little earlier this morning that the American press, which is uh, considers the Turkish regime loathsome for a lot of good reasons, particularly the lefty American press. Because the, the, they're a repressive Islamist regime, and they're dangerous. Now, all of a sudden, our media is quoting the Turkish state press without question, in spite of Turkey's known hostility to Saudi Arabia. So this whole thing's a bit of a house of mirrors to me. I don't know what to believe. Do you have good neighbors? Three About three quarters of people say they I have good neighbors. good neighbor. State Farm is there. Barry Manilow wrote that, didn't he? He did. Uh-huh. A new poll finds that 77% of people say they're generally happy with their neighbors. 59% of people say being trustworthy is the most important quality in a neighbor. While 50% say it's being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care anything about you. I just don't want to hear that you exist. That's what I'm hoping for. You know, I'd prefer not to have a duplicitous neighbor, like a dishonest neighbor, I guess, but... Honesty? It depends on your hood. I mean, yeah, it depends entirely on the hood how important that is, I guess. I'm just trying to think back to everywhere I lived, if I had any dishonest neighbors or cared whether they were honest. I don't, I I don't had, want them stealing. I haven't had neighbors for, jeez, a number of years now. Um, but back when I did, it was always interesting to me that there were some neighbors, like you, were, like you really knew the people that lived there. Knew the people there some. Yeah. And then there'd be somebody like right there 
I've never seen anybody come in or out of that house. Right. I couldn't even tell you, who, you know, what they look like. Right. Yeah. So it varies quite a bit. Yeah, every hood's like that, I think. Yeah, if your neighbor's, like, stealing from you, that'd be a, a, a problem. Hey, uh, Jim, my car got stolen last week. Yeah, why are you telling me? Well, you've got a car that looks exactly <laughs> like it in your driveway, including the scratches. Good neighbor and qualities. And it's got my stuff in the back seat. Well, count them down. Your good neighbor qualities at the top. Most people agreed on trustworthy. Yeah, I do. I do appreciate that you don't steal my stuff. Like I walk in the house to get a drink and I come out, and my lawnmower's gone. <laughs> it's in your garage. Yeah, it's my mower. <laughs> Wait a second. That's that's my mower. No, it's not. I'm going to need that mower back. Um, <laughs> so behind that is quiet at fifty percent. Forty six percent say friendly. But only half of people say they like friendly or uh, say that's a top neighbor quality. Okay. That is a top neighbor quality. Uh, respectful, clean slash neat, down to a third. So lower number. Mature. Mm, I have a feeling that factors into like loud and neighborly and stuff. Helpful like that. at 25%. That's big. Um, well, not very many people marked it. And uh, friendship. At 14%. You want to be friends with your neighbors. I, I want to be friendly with my neighbors. I don't know if I necessarily want to become, you know, friends with them. Yeah. It's nice when you can, but it's yeah. just like everything else in work. There are some people uh, uh, in life. It's thinking ahead. It's like everything else in life. There's a whole bunch of people around you at work. Some of them you become friends with. Some of them you don't. Right. Depends on their personality. As a standoffish misanthrope, when we lived in one particular neighborhood, which was, it was a really great neighborhood by any objective standard. I quickly became aware that though I liked some of the people, I didn't like some of the other ones. And there was a hell of a lot of drama that I didn't want any part of that was hard to avoid. I think if you're not a misanthrope, it doesn't bother you as much as it did me. But I was like people trying to pull me into disputes and resentments and gossip and the rest of it. I was like, ah, leave me alone. So now I live in the wilderness. I had a Palestinian family that was neighbors and, uh, Really nice, very interesting guy that I had many long conversations with. Really good you dude. You didn't build a wall in your yard, did you? No, but I had a problem for a while. Is his kids were throwing rocks at my dogs, and I thought Palestinians throwing rocks. I mean, is this? Are you trying to bait me into something that gets me on the news or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, great parents, and I mean, it was just something kids do. Kids I mean, do dumb stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Kids yeah. do stuff like that. Yeah. But I just thought there's a Palestinian throwing rocks toward my house. Mm. Just Throwing rocks at dogs. Yeah, yeah, that's and that funny. was taken care of quickly by his very good parents. When I was a kid, I used to throw dogs at people. So wow. we all do foolish things <laughs> as kids. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Caravan heading to the U.S. southern border, about to test the Mexicans' resolve to stop them. We've got Trump praising a congressman who body slammed a reporter, and thousands of California three-strike lifers may be about to get parole. Oh, great! Well, whose idea was that? Here's a hint. Late-stage syphilis. God dang it. Uh, I don't know if I can handle that story. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Could you be mine? Could you be mine? Can you go in a congressional race? A very controversial campaign ad. All right. Extremely controversial. 
God damn Coming it. up. I see the ads on TV and the ones that, uh, you know, uh, they make the bad guy or woman in black and white yeah. and kind of fuzzy. <laughs> I and, love uh, that. I don't like that person. Talk about how they want to oh. starve us all and kick puppies and stuff. And it's just, uh, does that have an effect on anybody? Well, I'm, against, I'm against those things, so. Yeah, that's if true. And he's it. just so scary in black and white. I don't, I can't vote for him mm-hmm. or her. <laughs> But this uh, campaign ad coming up is not for the children. Okay. And and probably not most women. <laughs> or, <right>. or men. Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay. Or really anyone. <laughs> Stay tuned. Right now, the news with Marsha Phillips. Well, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's in Mexico City. He's working with the government to stop a caravan of Honduran migrants heading to the U.S. border. A group of some 4,000 and growing larger as more migrants join the march. They're reportedly massing near the Guatemala-Mexico border. They're getting ready to cross into Mexico. All this, again, is Pompeo's delivering a message to the Mexican leaders about the caravan. Stop them before they reach the U.S. border. I'm so tired of talking about immigration, but, you know, it deserves to be said on a regular basis, I guess, for, for people who are new to the issue or whatever. But we all, almost all of us agree overwhelmingly on a bunch of the parts of the immigration issue. I mean, it's not its not even like it's 60-40. It's more like 80 or 90 to 10 or 20 on we have to secure our borders, we should let people in who have certain skills, people need to speak English. All that stuff is agreed upon by, by almost everyone. Mm-hmm. And yet, the people that run the country at the highest levels of Republican and Democrat mm-hmm. politics... They've got their own reasons for it not happening, which we've gone over a thousand times. But it, it, this is the least controversial issue in America, perhaps. Politicians run on issues. If you solve an issue, you don't have that issue anymore. Remember that. Repeat it to yourself as you go to sleep tonight. President Trump's rally in Montana last night saw him praising GOP Congressman Greg Gianforte for body slamming a reporter. Greg is smart. And by the way, never wrestle him. You understand that? Never. Any guy that can do a body slam, he's my kind. Gianforte pled guilty to assault after he body slammed a reporter for The Guardian before the 2016 election. He went on to win the election the day after the assault. He apologized to the reporter during his acceptance speech. Trump said at the rally that when he heard about Gianforte's assault, he was initially concerned that would have really hurt him in the election. And I said, oh, this is terrible. He's going to lose the election. Then I said, well, wait a minute. I know Montana pretty well. I think it might help him. And it did. Okay, see, that bothers me more than the other comment. So that is, um, it, it's, it's, it's troubling. So this guy was in a tight race. Yes. The reporter's asking him questions. I don't remember the questioning line of questioning. I don't remember my thoughts on that. Doesn't really make any difference. Um... He body slams the reporter, and some people believe that's why he won, that that put him over put him over the top. And then Trump thinks that's awesome, that here in Montana, if you ask us a tough question, we physically attack you. I don't like that. Uh, especially that's... right now with uh, the missing yep. journalist and the rest of it. I, I No, well, there's, no there's not a, good. There's a lot of reporters, especially with Donald Trump, writing stuff that's crap, asking stupid questions, all this sort of stuff, but you don't get to physically attack them. Then you, once you start down that road, it's over. It's just over. Yeah, civilization will crumble. So, yeah, uncool, Donald. 
California will reconsider the sentences of up to 4,000 nonviolent third strike criminals by allowing them to go ahead and ask for parole under a ballot measure approved by the voters two years ago. That's according to court documents obtained by the Associated Press. Now, the state is going to drop new regulations by January to include the repeat offenders in early release provisions. Governor Brown says he's not going to appeal a court ruling that found the state is illegally excluding the nonviolent career criminals from parole under that 2016 ballot measure that he championed to reduce the prison population. Prosecutors say they're not surprised. They warned throughout the Prop 57 campaign that nonviolent third strikers would unintentionally fall under the measure's constitutional amendment. So now you've got up to 4,000 lifers uh, on the verge of being given early parole. And as we've talked about so many times, you get convicted of three crimes. How many crimes have you committed Right. to get convicted of three? Right. Can you imagine after being convicted and sentenced for two crimes, you just keep doing crimes? And in a number of these cases, and I'm not sure about this one specifically, there have been several instances in recent California history where if your first uh, first strike is violent and your second strike is violent but your third strike isn't the activists will say he got a third strike for a nonviolent crime he's a nonviolent offender he should be turned loose it's just ridiculous we need more prisons not less boston red sox heading to the world series after they beat the defending champion houston astros four to one last night they win the american league championship series four games to one and lebron james made his debut with the Los Angeles Lakers last night as L.A. played its season opener. James scoring 26 points. Lehman brings the ball in. The Blazers have 12 seconds to shoot. Stolen by LeBron. LeBron on a breakaway. And the first basket of his Laker career is a tomahawk dunk. Turned out to be a loser. That's cultural appropriation. From Indians, tomahawk dunk. (laughs) Dunk it dunk differently. Turned out to be a losing effort, though, for the Lakers, who fell uh, 128 to 119 to the Portland Trail Blazers. So I would just like to point out back to the Boston Red Sox going to the World Series. The Los Angeles Dodgers fairly famously just blew the doors off anything anybody'd ever spent to try to get a World Series winning yeah. team uh-huh. a couple of years ago. Just nobody'd ever seen anybody throw this much money at trying to win a World Series. Boston passed them this year. And so you've got the two highest payrolls going out, which I I don't like in sports, but what are you going to do? There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Is what it is. It's professional sports. It's a TV show. Every so often, though, you get a plucky team like the Casey Royals of a few years back who have a very, very low payroll, and they, they beat down Goliath. Meantime, those teams do well. The teams with all the money buy all those players away. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. And decimate them. <laughs> yes, very quickly. The way nature intended. <laughs> what was that voice? That was an interesting voice. I don't know. I got a million of them. <laughs> Some sort of old timey something or other. You're just like Ted Cruz. <laughs> Michael. Oh, boy. Oh, so this uh, campaign ad that's not for the. Younger, the old, or the weak at heart, or the asthmatic, or, you know, anybody really coming up. And this story, he bo- he broke both legs in his fall. Then came the rattlesnakes. Oh. This is quite a tale. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Empty lake, empty 
Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jeez, you had, you had two words to get out. You got, Idiot! You got one of them right, and the second one, you, you floundered on. Oh, boy. You're well, per- you're ill. You're under the weather. You're suffering. I'll use that as an excuse. Yes. As a former law enforcement officer who has worked both in the jails and on the streets, I can tell you this is not a black and white issue, which I originally thought he meant race. He means a clear cut, this whole three strikes release thing. Release those who have truly shown reformation within the prison system, those who continue to live like thugs in prison, stay in prison. It should be a case-by-case issue. I was thinking of that as Marshall was talking. This is completely anecdotal, but I know a guy personally. I don't know him well, but I know him a little bit, who was sentenced to life in prison without parole for for murdering somebody when he was 19. Mm. Somehow he got paroled at the age of 40. He thought he was going to be in prison for the rest of his life because that's what the sentence was. Uh, Jerry Brown, I don't remember what the particular what particularly caused this to happen, but he got paroled by the governor himself and is out. And I know the guy, and he is so not a danger to society. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just not I believe on that. any yeah. level. Mm-hmm. Um, and the circumstances of the him killing the guy are just, you know, I don't need to get into that. But So it can happen. There, there's no doubt it can happen. Do you trust the prison system to either have the time or the money or the wisdom to, to do that on a case-by-case basis? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's troubling stuff if you get into it. Parole boards and how they do their work and how they don't do their work sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is a guy who had that one particular incident, then was uh, beyond good through his prison time. As opposed to you, you're a career criminal. I mean, again, to get convicted of three felonies, three felonies, you yeah. you've committed a hell of a lot of crimes. You commit a lot of crimes before you ever get caught. You get caught a lot of times before you ever get charged. You get charged a lot of times before you ever get convicted. Generally, with very few exceptions, yeah. And, and unless you, you're just really bad at being a criminal, and you were out there with two felonies, knowing there's the three strikes law, and continue to commit crimes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So this is a black and white issue, I'm afraid, Jack. It's a real radio ad running in Arkansas uh, in support of uh, a Republican congressman. It is by an independent pack with some odd features to it, Political Action Committee. I'll play you the ad, then we will discuss. Our congressman, French Hill. Hang on. Congressman French Hill and the Republicans know that it's dangerous to change the presumption of innocence to a presumption of guilt, especially for black men. If the Democrats can do that to a white justice of the Supreme Court with no evidence, no. Oh, seriously. Why'd you cut it off? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I swear to God to you. Yeah, it seemed like right, an odd place on. to stop the video. Yeah. All right, let's, yeah. let's try this again, shall we? What do you think about what's happening in Washington? 
Congressman French Hill and the Republicans know that it's dangerous to change the presumption of innocence to a presumption of guilt, especially for black men. If the Democrats can do that to a white justice of the Supreme Court with no evidence. I don't understand why you keep stopping it. <laughs> I'm so unhappy. Right Is this now. like a knock knock? Who's there? Orange? You glad I didn't say banana? Sort of setup? Is that what we're working exactly. towards? Exactly. I'm I'm seeing how many times I can get away with doing this before I, I feel, you all hate me. I feel like I know where this is going. Is there a punchline yes. that I need to know? Of? Uh, no, n- no. That is the tone of it. It's uh, a gal who obviously a couple of gals who obviously sound like they are African American. <laughs> Jeez, did they work hard enough at making that clear? Yeah. Well, right. I'd like to have heard them when they were coaching up the the voice actors. Right. Uh, talking about blacker. How- I don't know what you mean. You need to sound blacker. Yes. Yes. One comment on this uh, sad is, it's hard to piss off every single constituency of the Democratic Party at once, but this ad might have done it. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, don't, the, the group behind the ad is Black Americans for the President's Agenda. And somebody did a little digging. They fit in a bus. <laughs> no, that is not true. Jack, you are trafficking in the worst cliches of the liberal media. Although Trump does a good job at his rallies of always having a black person behind him. Right. So anyway, the black Americans for the president's agenda, somebody looked into the um, the contributions, and, and the people who have contributed most heavily to it are most certainly not black folks. And indeed, their website has a bunch of pictures of Presumably, black Americans for the president's agenda <laughs> that appear to be randomly selected pictures of black people, including Easy E, rapper ah. Easy E of Public Enemy uh, or NWA. I NWA, can never, yeah, I can never yeah. remember which is which. Um, uh, who has been deceased for twenty three years? <laughs> I love the way people name their groups. I need to get a political committee together. That's you know. Kindergarten teachers for solar-powered bicycles or something right. is the name of my group. Exactly. <laughs> Start buying ads. Yeah. Hunt. Wow. So I, I think we're supposed to be up in arms over this uh That was pretty, ad. pretty patronizing. A political ad? Those were black gals in the ad. You don't think they should be allowed to speak their mind? For no? money from a mysterious pack that is supported by Easy E, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you valued free speech. <laughs> I wish I could play the rest of that ad, but obviously God doesn't want that to happen. Hmm. It wasn't meant to be. Part of God's plan. Exactly. He's really micromanaging his plan today. <laughs> yeah. It's not a lot going on today. <laughs> really? God, I'd spend more time at 30,000 feet if I were you. And yes, I'm aware of the irony of that statement. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. Anyway, how much time do we have? Very, very little. You got two and a half. We all only have this moment. So I'm <laughs> I'm reading this conversation with Helen Pluckrose, who is one of the co-authors of the Grievance Studies hoax articles. Oh, and I also have the article that pushed them over the edge and made them do it, made them do their... their uh, oh, I haven't heard that. Their, uh, their prank thingy. Oh, where do I have it? This is, this is too much. We could get anything published in some of these. Yeah, it, it was a feminist view of icebergs. Uh, that was the real one. Okay, yes. I have read about that. I, I thought that was a fake one, too. That one was real. Yeah, or, that they said, theory, all right, right. This, is, this is so over the top. Science has become so embarrassing. Ah, here it is. Uh, glaciers, gender, and science. 
a feminist glaciology framework for global environmental change research. And uh, they list a bunch of quotes from it um, about the, the various groanings and meltings of icebergs as they melt and how they're akin to feminist something or other. I mean, it's you've and got to be... What am I supposed be... to take from this? That the... what, am, what am I supposed to take from that? You can't understand the melting of icebergs unless you're thoroughly schooled in feminist theory. Because icebergs are very feminine in their crumblings or something. I don't know. I tried to understand it. I didn't mm. get it. Maybe if you stepped outside the patriarchy, you could uh, expose <laughs> like yourself to that a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, anyway, Helen Pluckrose and her two associates read that and said, all right, that's it. That's it. We've got to do this. And so they got a bunch of hoax articles published. But I'm reading this. Including rape culture in dog parks. That's right. Um, This gal, Helen Pluckrose, with James Lindsay and Peter Bogosian, uh, she had a uh, long conversation interview at the World Socialist website, and she is clearly um, a socialist, but thinks all this hokum in the grievance studies is distracting from the class struggle. No. And it's fake science, and it's sure? not about the tiny micro divisions. It's about class. Good stuff. He broke his legs. Then came the rattlesnakes. That story coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.